Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Turn to Genesis chapter 34, if you will. And uh, I, I have I said this again last week to somebody. I've never uh, stopped being amazed at how God works as we go through his word and, and we preach. And it seems like week after week, um, the Lord knows either what's, of course he knows what's coming, but as far as specifically in our church, you know, what we deal with, what we face. And so there's, it seems to be his word just coming out uh, in, in things that people are dealing with either the week before or the, the, week, the week upcoming. And so uh, this has been no different. Um, so uh, this past week, many of you know this tragedy that happens in Pittsburgh and in and, and, and the week before, there's just evil pouring itself out in our world. And so when we get to the point today, I just I want you to kind of stand in awe of the Lord's sovereignty uh, this morning. I want to encourage you to do that because and, and open your heart, your mind, your life up to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God uh, because, man, His Word is so powerful, it's so rich, it's so uh, strong and helpful in every aspect of our life. And so when we look at this, uh, it's just yet another reminder that God is on the throne. He is leading His church. And uh, again, His Word is preached and taught in this place. And so I praise God for that. I was uh, thinking about as we were uh, singing songs a while ago and, and just worshiping the Lord, uh, how special that is for us to do. Uh, just to be able to worship God in His holiness, to be able to come and gather in this place and lift up our voices and, and, and to, to just focus on Him. And that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. Uh, I know that um, there's a lot of things that are going to be going on today. Uh, even there's people in this place serving. We're going to have our me meals for missions in a little bit. But you probably have things going on this afternoon, maybe this evening. Uh, your mind is, is, is geared to be like this in this world that we live in, to think about what's going next and what you have to do and, and what the time is. But I, I want to encourage you this morning not to do a disservice to our Lord during this time. I, I want to encourage you to really focus on his worth at this time. Uh, his word is valuable. And in this time and in this place right now, there should be nothing more important to us than to focus on our God and to focus on his word. And so I want to encourage you to set all that stuff aside in your mind and your life. Um, I want to encourage you as well. Uh, maybe you uh, feel the need to go to the restroom. Get it done early. You know, don't walk out in the middle. Be, be focused in on what God has for us and for, for you right now. Uh, because this is important. This is special uh, for us to partake in. And so again, if you have your Bibles in Psalm, I mean, uh, Genesis chapter 34, uh, I want to remind you that last week we saw that we should never compromise the things of God for the things of this world. And I, that, that can be an easy statement to hear, that can be an easy statement to dismiss, is to not compromise the things, of this, uh, the things of God for the things of this world. But the reality is this, this is a battle that the church has been facing its entire existence. The early church, in the, in the letters that Paul wrote to them, the fight was both with the Judaizers that were trying to pull the believers, the new believers, back into a legalistic system and there was also a fight on the other side of those who were still in pagan worship and in carnal lifestyles to try to pull these new believers back into that if that's where they came from. And so again, the, 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 the fight is still real today. That's what we face as Christians in our world today. We have people who are on the far extreme right trying to pull people into legalism, into bondage of legalism, while we have people in this world that are even professing Christians sometimes trying to pull 
believers into a carnal or back into a carnal, secular, worldly, sinful lifestyle. And we have a choice as true believers on what we're going to do with these pools, how we're going to respond to the pools uh, that we have still today. The charge from the Apostle Paul, from the Holy Spirit, from even Jesus himself to his followers, I think is still the same exact charge. I believe it's the same exact fight uh, that we have today, that we have to stand up for and, and fight for today. Again, if, if, if we were to be in that place and to understand what they faced, uh, you had a, a religious system of legalism that man had created, and it was, it was prevalent. It was heavy. It was, it was so staunch and so uh, strong that it was the movement that pushed Jesus Christ himself into an illegal trial that would eventually bring about his death. That's how strong that legalistic pull was in Jesus' time. All the while, we know that there were sinful things going on, demonic activity going on, Jesus releasing people from demons, Jesus working and releasing people from the bondage of their sin, of adultery, and, and, and so many other things. And so again, the, 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 the battle is very similar today. But one thing has always been the charge, again, in the fight for the people of God, the church in the New Testament. It's clear. The separation, this clear separation, this clear change in life and lifestyle, this type of allegiance, this type of faith placed in Jesus Christ was the same exact movement, it was the same exact faith, same exact power that he used in the church to wreck cities, to turn cities upside down. It was the same exact commitment, dedication, faith, uh, lifestyle. Again, this change, separation in lifestyle uh, that interrupted the sinful and secular flow of the day. That's the influence that the gospel has on people's lives. That's the influence that the church has with the power of the Holy Spirit in the world even today. But here's the concern. As we look to move from this point of not, never compromising the things of God for the things of this world, somehow we have bought the lie in American Christianity that our cultural understanding needs to be cultural relevance and cultural integration in order to make an appeal to those who are in pagan lifestyles, those who are in secular, sinful lifestyles, those who are living lives of debauchery, to those who are even enslaved to religious legalism. Some claim today the problem with the church is and not reaching the lost is because there's such a distance and such a difference between what the church has been and even so how the church is today in the world. And I want to stand on this, this, this podium today and say I would argue in 2018 it's exactly the opposite. It's not that the church is so different from the world. It's that the church, church is trying so hard to be so much like the world that the world says... Why give up our time on Sundays? And I believe it's many of those who are professing Christians who said, you don't have to. We'll join you. And so the world looks on at the church, not with majesty, not with wonder, not with intrigue, not with, with, with a uniqueness in, 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 its, in its essence of its being filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered with the, with, with the gospel and the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't look at, it and say, look at us and say, look at these good works, let's glorify their Father who's in heaven. The world doesn't look at that. The world looks at it at the church many times today and says, 
I would honestly rather spend my time doing something else. I've got my own club. I've got my own social group. Why would I want to do something like that and have to maybe do something different from what I enjoy doing right now? Again, I'm, I'm very convicted in this and saying that I believe the problem is there's too many professing believers that are so much like the world that that distinction, that that light, that Jesus Christ himself gave to his bride doesn't radiate. So the world doesn't look on with wonder. The world passes on in its own pursuit of darkness and sin. See, this life that many professing Christians live, they can cloak it in religious jargon. And, and, I, and I've shared before so many times people who profess to be Christian, that they use these, these spiritual terms and they misuse and they abuse this, this, this spiritual rhetoric and even this unbiblical reasoning to try to justify why what they're doing in pursuit of the world and what they're doing in pursuit of their own self being their own God is okay in God's sight. It's just not. Many professing Christians have this belief in their heart and their life, and they live like this, that, that I can have my Jesus and I can have my carnal life at the same time. And I would say to that, that's absolutely wrong. Amen. According to Scripture. Not in my opinion, but according to Scripture. You cannot have a life sold out to Jesus and a life full of carnal, worldly desires being filled up. So my, my, before we move on to this next point, my, my encouragement or, or for Trinity Baptist Temple, for you as a believer, how about, how about us as a, as a church, a local body, how about us try to do it God's way? How about let's do that? Let's, let's see if we will give ourselves holy and do exactly as Jesus commanded, exactly what the Holy Spirit charged the Apostle Paul to write to the churches. How about let's strive for the upward calling of Christ? Let's, let's do that. Let's do that versus panting like a dog in heat for the trinkets of this temporal world. How about let's hunger and thirst for righteousness? How about let's sell out for the kingdom of God who gave himself for our eternity? How about let's do that versus acting like there's something greater in this world to pursue than an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? I just don't know if I feel. Let's stop feeling and start moving by faith. That's how God will use his church to wreck cities again and to stop the work of Satan in this world. And so my desire as a pastor is for us, not as a church, to strive to be relevant in a world that we've been called out of, but to strive to lift up Christ and let him do what he said he would do if he was lifted up, and that's to draw all men to him. Let, let's be that kind of church. It says, you know what? We're going to exalt the word of God. We're going to exalt Christ. We're going to exalt the things of God. We're going to sell out to him who gave himself for us. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to try to make excuses for why we should be able to do this and it still be okay with God. Why would we ever want to do that for a God who said, I'm leaving my glory in heaven. I'm leaving that throne of glory in heaven. Not leaving his glory behind, but leaving a throne of glory in heaven and coming to this earth 
and laying down his life for us. Why would we ever want to say, I don't know that I, I don't. It should always be our response, every single one of us, starting with me, going throughout this, every, every person in this building that's a believer in Jesus Christ. What wilt thou have me to do? That should be our life's statement. What wilt thou have me to do? Not I feel like, no. What wilt thou have me to do? I want to see the power of God move. I, I, I want to see it move like I know it moves. I, I, I've seen it move in our church. I'm seeing it move in our church. But man, I want to see it move like it, we've never seen it before. I want to see it move across our state. I want to see it move across our nation. And not because we have, uh, have certain people in political offices, but because the church is actually being the church. That's what I want to see, the power of God. What does that look like? I believe it starts with us moving to a deeper, more intimate, sincere love of Christ and his kingdom than anything else in this world. It means that we can't live like we think God is some genie in a bottle. We need a wish fulfilled. I need you to fix this. I need you to heal this. I need you to bless me with this. So that we call on him. Let's not live like he's a genie in the bottle, but the God our God, who we serve, who we obey, who we submit to, who we, who we give our lives to. Let's, let's live like that. And so again, this morning, as we move on from this idea of not compromising the things of this world, or the things of God for the things of this world, I, I want us again to focus in on what God has for us this morning and marvel at the wonder of his words. So let's pray and get into that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here in, in your presence. Lord, we realize that uh, none of us in this place are worthy to even call on your name, but we realize that through the sacrifice, through the shedding blood, uh, the shed blood of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and through this entrance that you've given us to your throne, God, we have this great privilege to call on you. We have this great privilege to have your word. We have a, an amazing privilege to worship you uh, in, in your holy place. God, we have an amazing blessing of being citizens, of having our citizenship in heaven, of 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 even sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus even right now. Um, God, we're, we're so blessed and so thankful for that. And I pray, again, as we said in the beginning, that we would be able to set everything aside. Lord, anything that's coming up after service or later on today, uh, any, any games uh, on TV or in our lives or anything, Lord, help us to set everything of this world aside and focus on you so that you can speak to us and it would impact us the way that you truly want it to impact us. Lord, that we would be able to receive that and then respond to that in the right way. Lord, I, I know I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm unworthy myself. But I do pray that you would use this time and, and use my, my mouth as, as an instrument for you, Lord, to speak to my heart and to speak to, to all of us in here. Uh, Lord, we, we trust you for this. And Lord, uh, help us. Help us to heed what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, in this section of scripture we've been going through, we've seen that the first thing that we need to remember is to always, always be ready for the destroyer after the, after the dedication. You make a commitment to God, you recommit your life to God, you feel like that you're, you're going to be more on fire in, in, in Bible study or in prayer or in witnessing, or you just say, you know what, in general, I'm going to give my life more to the Lord than I have uh, you know, previously. I, I've kind of been in a lull. Just always be ready for that. 
Or if you say, you know what, we haven't been faithful to sinners. We haven't been faithful to church. We haven't been faithful to God in this. We haven't been giving to the Lord. We haven't been doing whatever it is that you say, you know what, I'm going to do this out of the sincerity of my heart because it's right and it's what God's called for and I want to do this or I want to give more of myself to this or I want to give more of my, my, myself to that. When we do that, just know the enemy's coming. Or if you say, I'm going to trust God with this. This is a big step of faith. I'm going to uh, trust him. Me and my family are going to trust this. Me and, me, me and my wife are going to trust this. Me and my husband, we're trusting God for this. And it's right. It's in his word. We're in, in, in obedience to that. Just know. Just be ready. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, wanders about seeking whom he may devour. He's coming. Just know that. Don't ever let it. Well, I've done what's right. I, I've dedicated. I've rededicated. I've recommitted. I've buckled down. I've started re reading my Bible. I've started studying. I've started worshiping God intimately. I've started doing these things. Then, then shouldn't I be protected? You are absolutely protected by the hand of God. But what we're going to see even this morning is sometimes the enemy comes and attacks and somehow in God's sovereignty and his perfect, just, heavenly father, loving will Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes God allows for certain things that we can't understand in this temporal world because we only see through a glass darkly. Sometimes we only see through a, 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 a small picture of what's going on and God sees an eternal plan. And so we have to say, you know what? I'm just going to stay sober and vigilant. I, I'm going to know that the enemy's coming after me. I'm going to know that God is stronger. And as long as I stay trusting God and keep moving forward in faith, regardless of what I go through, good or bad, that God is going to be glorified in my life. And that should be the ultimate desire of every single child of God, is that God would be glorified in my life. That's a, that's a spiritual saying. That's something that, that, that I think some people desire, but when the rubber meets the road, a lot of people say when the affliction comes, when the trials come, when the desperate times uh, come upon us, we say, I don't know that I want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have these problems. I don't want to have this issue. And so in doing so, sometimes we miss this amazing opportunity for the Lord to reveal himself in and through our lives, even through the affliction. I would say even and especially through the affliction. And again, the second thing was never compromise the thing, things of God for the things of this world. Verse 25 is where we pick up, and it came to pass on the third day when they were sore. Now, some of you were here, and you know what happened. Some of you were not here, and so you don't know why these people were sore. First of all, it was all the males that were sore. Second of all, it was a deal that was struck by a couple of Jacob's sons uh, so that um, Shechem could marry Dina, who he had defiled. And so they struck this deal deceitfully, and we're going to see why it's deceitfully this morning. But they struck this deceitful deal with them, uh, and the deal was, look, if all your males will be circumcised as we're circumcised, then we will be one. You can have... You can have our ladies, we can have your ladies, we can, you can have our, you know, we can trade and buy from your herds and from your stock and all these things. We'll basically be as one people. We can come in and out of the city and, and, and we'll just live together in harmony with you all. And, and, and it'll be wonderful. So this is the, the, uh, the, the political decision. <laughs> the government came in and told all the males, this is what we're going to do. 
All you're going to get circumcised because this is a good deal, too good of a deal to pass up. And so that's what happens. All of the males get circumcised. I said last week, I mean, how would you like that government intervention, right? We're like, hey, we got freedom. Don't mess with us. This is a different level, guys. I mean, hey, guess what? You, know, you don't have a choice. This is what you're going to do. All the guys are getting circumcised. And so this is, uh, this is where we find ourselves. All the males line up, get circumcised, and it says, and it came to pass on the third day when they were sore. You think? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're trying to figure out what just happened. Why did we do this? Can you imagine the state of that city at this point in time? Like, where's all the guys at? No, I don't ask, you know. Some of the conversations, will we ever heal? Is this ever going to get better? Why did we do this? Their sheep better be really good. We're going to move on from that for the sake of discretion. But let's look what happens as all the males are still hurting and trying to heal that the two sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. That just went from bad to worse. And they slew Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword and took Dina out of Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their sheep, their oxen, their asses, and that which was in the city and that which was in the field, and all of their wealth, and all of their little ones, and all of their wives they took captive and spoiled, excuse me, even all that was in the house. Now, that's one way to handle things, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, they strike the deal, you need to get circumcised, everybody does it, and they, when, when they can't really move, they're, they're nursing their wounds. They're, they're hurt. They're incapacitated. They are ineffective. They are definitely not in a state to fight a war or to fight any type of battle. These two brothers sweep through the city with their swords and they kill every single male. And once they do that, they take every, sin, every single thing, all of their wealth, all of their kids, all of their wives, all of their the, everything, all of the substance, and they take it and they bring it into their own camp and make it their own. Now you see why the scripture said that they made this deceitful agreement with them. It was a deceitful pact. It was actually a plot to pay them back. It wasn't an agreement. It was a deceitful agreement to pay them back for what they had done to their sister. Again, it's, it's not really a surprise that when we look at what, how Jacob's going to re- respond, um, that we see how his sons acted. Right? How do they act? Deceitfully. The apple doesn't fall, fall too far from the tree, right? Jacob, that's what his life has been basically up to this point. So now his sons follow in his footsteps. Now parents, if you don't think that the choices and the things we do impact or affect our kids, again, it's all through Scripture. His sons were just following in the same footsteps. Hey, it's worked for our dad. He basically got everything that he wanted, everything that he needed by just doing what he, he needed to do. He lied, he stole, he cheated, he, he did whatever he can do. And so, hey, they did this to our sister. It's not going to go without judgment, and we are going to be the ones that bring about the judgment. And so they make this deceitful agreement, and that's exactly what they do. So, again, how does Jacob respond to it? How does Jacob handle this? that his sons lied and his sons handled this situation like it is. Verse 30, and Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you've troubled me 
to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I, being few in number, they're, they're going to gather themselves against me, and they're going to slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. And they said, should he deal with our sister as with a harlot? See, these, these two brothers were, were seeing through passionate eyes, and it's an issue of, uh, of moral response, humanly speaking, versus a, a, a response of godly nature, in, in the godly nature. So these two brothers said, this is what they've done, and so our response will be to pay them back and to destroy them. Now, is that exactly what God desired? Is that what honored God? Is that what God had called for? Well, if we move forward in Scripture, we realize that God would eventually command the Israelites to do exactly, not the deception part, not the, not the mutilation part, not, not that, but God would do, tell them to do exactly what they actually did in this city. But God, the problem is God didn't command them to do that. God would eventually, as, as, as they would uh, come out of the promised land, he would tell them, and he, even when the, when the kings would come on the scene, he would tell them, when you go into this land, I want you to utterly destroy them. That's exactly why Saul got removed from being the first king. It's because he didn't obey the voice of God. He said, you know what? I think I can, I can do the sacrifice myself. And God said, nope, you're wrong. You, 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 first of all, didn't listen to his voice, and you did something that God didn't give you the, the right to do. And so this story, we look at their response. Their instinct was right to do away with sin, to, to utterly destroy the evil and the wickedness from the land but because of this unbridled passion that they were acting in it would cost them in the future we'll see it as we get to it in genesis chapter 45 as jacob's pronouncing his blessing uh, to each of the sons he he moves past these two brothers but ultimately not not just for their revenge but a deceptive covenant was the problem a deceptive covenant wasn't to be dangled before pagans, nor justice taken into their hands without God's command. So here, when we see Jacob's response to this and how, how his sons did this act and how they did about he, notice that Jacob didn't mention the Lord. Notice that he didn't say, look, look, you, you, you've, 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 you've grieved God. You, you've taken this justice into your hands. In his response, I also see that Jacob was more concerned about his own name and his own per, uh, uh, preserving than he was of glorifying God. Look, you've made my name distinct. Now we're going to be, they're going to come after us and want to destroy me and my family. No mention of the grace of God that he had mentioned before. No mention of the mercy of God that he had mentioned before. No thought of what God had blessed him with and given him before. Not, nothing like that. It's still about Jacob. And so we see maybe a, a lesson missed in, in, this, in this trial. Regardless, it's clear that they shouldn't have dealt this way. We can all argue. Uh, we can put ourselves in that place and to say, yeah, but man, they, they were justified. Listen, it wasn't in defending her from the attack. It was in retaliation of the attack. Of the attack. And this morning, that is the great reminder for us. Evil is going to come upon us. It's going to come upon uh, like, like, like it did in the synagogue in, in, in Pittsburgh. E evil is going to come upon us like it, like it does uh, all, all the time. Even as the people of God, you say, I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to live sold out for God. Listen, the evil one, the wicked one, he, care, 
He, he doesn't look at your life, as I said last week, and say, oh, they're trying so hard. I'll give them some mercy right now. Satan doesn't look at it like that. He looks at us like, how, how can I destroy them in the most destructive way? So the reminder this morning, as the enemy attacks, as compromise even attempts to tempt us, Number three there in your notes, or the, it's the main point there is to never fight evil with evil. Never fight evil with evil. You know, I shared that before, like sometimes we're, we're driving around these 60 mile an hour, 70 mile an hour weapons, right? And somebody pours out evil on us and one of the very first things is we're tempted to retaliate, Right? And sometimes people do that and it costs them their lives because it's a 60 or 70 mile an hour weapon that weighs thousands of pounds. It's hard for us. From, from something like that to something is, is, is the, the worst thing that you can imagine. So, uh, Romans chapter 12 says in verse 17, recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. What does that mean? It means do what's honorable in the sight of all. So don't recompense, don't repay evil. No man, it says, evil for evil. Verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceable with all men, peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, he's talking to Christians, avenge not yourselves. Don't seek to pay people back. But rather give place unto wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, Feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in do, so doing, thou shalt reap, uh, heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Now let's understand that when, when the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, that when somebody does, does wrong to you, that you don't say, okay, I'm going to get you back now. I'm going to be extra good to you and wait for those coals to, fi to, to, to fly down from heaven and burn you. You know, that's, that's the completely, that's missing the point of what the, the charge is. The, the, the charge is this, as the beloved of God, as the children of God, we are to always be looking to do what's right, to do what's good, to do what's pleasing in God's sight, to even do good to them that do evil to us. And the reason why is as it separates the, 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 the gap even more of evil and good, it, it reserves that judgment that is reserved for evildoers even for that person, the judgment upon them. The Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. With what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. What measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you. So we have to remember, if God is the judge, if Almighty God is the judge and his, his wrath on, on wickedness is going to be poured out, then I can do nothing that even comes close to that. So my charge then is to do good to them that do evil to you. And when you operate like this, fighting good or fighting evil with good, blessings flow your way in unique times and ways. But if you operate like Simeon and Levi did, if you say, you know what, I am going to uh, pour out evil for evil, I'm going to repay evil for evil, then here's what happens. You end up adding more baggage and evil to account for in your life than you previously had. So when you say, I'm going to pay them back, 
whether it's my words or my actions, my attitude, I'm going to pay them back, then what you now have done is you've added more baggage to your own account. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 13 says, Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. So, again, a good reminder is that those who do evil to those who are trying to do good, they will not have evil depart from their house. They will receive due judgment from an almighty God. An almighty God. This doesn't take away, let me say this little disclaimer, it doesn't take away that we, the fact that we live, that God ordains governments. And, and the Bible tells us that uh, the, the, to the punishment of evildoers, we have governments, we have laws, we have those things in place to, to execute judgment in this world. Again, Scripture tells us that. But ultimately, God will judge evil and wickedness in a way that I don't think that we really can comprehend right now. So that's why it's important for us to say, you know what? I'm going to seek to do good even when evil's done to me. So it's also important uh, to note the influence that we have in our life and that, that can be had in our life. Uh, remember that it wasn't just one brother, right? It was two brothers. They were influencing each other, right? That's what happens. That's what happens even in our life. We start having a problem. We start having an issue. And, and sure enough, it's so amazing how we can find somebody else that has a problem with that too, that has a problem with that person too, that has a problem in that issue too. That's, it's so miraculous. It's almost as it's, a, it's from God. And I would say it is from God. Not from that God, but from the God of this world. Because I promise you, Satan's just looking. He's looking at how he can say, how can I stir these people up who are pursuing righteousness and good? How can I stir them up? Well, if they get upset, i got to just put somebody else in their life to, to, to fan that flame, to throw a little gas on that fire, to help them get stirred up and angry and bitter and, and all that. It says in Proverbs 22, verse 24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Somebody, uh, we were talking about, who was, it was another pastor, I think, the other day, and he was talking about, um, it was, uh, he, he was talking about how he's had to block some of his own members on Facebook. Think about that. He said, because I just don't want to see the junk. And he said, and sometimes it's just that people are so angry. I'm like, what's the problem? And I'm thinking, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not telling anybody what I did. No. But I, I, I've, I've preached this before. You can be 100% sure that the enemy will orchestrate a like-minded connection with someone else. As I said, if you're angry at something, if you're bitter about something, if you're resentful about something, if you're looking to get revenge, I, just be sure just be sure that if you start to lean that way to that anger, bitterness, resentment, revenge, someone will be there. Someone will, I understand. I don't like them either. They, they frustrate me too. Hey, I don't like that either. You know what? I got a problem with this too. Hey, you know, I've always wondered about if, if anybody else struggled with that. You know, it, it, that's just the way it, the enemy works. When you repay evil for the evil done to you, 
you open the door for the enemy to have victory. Not only in the wrong that's done to you, not only if, if, if the, the evil happens to you and you say, you know what, I'm going to get them back. Not only did he just get that victory and the fact that it affected you and it changed you, but now that you're going to go repay, now you've opened the door for him to have victory and the fact that you did wrong to somebody else as well. It never works out. Repaying evil for evil never works out. Not taking revenge in our own hands never works out. Always additional problems arise whether it's by words or actions. Our wrongdoing is in direct opposition. It's going the opposite. When, when somebody does wrong to us and then we do wrong to them in return, it's the opposite of what the Lord commands and it's the opposite of our Lord's example. Did you hear that? When somebody does, whether, it, whether it's uh, somebody close to you or a stranger, when somebody does something evil to you and you repay evil to them, it's not only in a, de- a direct a disobedient act to the Lord's command, but it's, it's directly opposite of what our Lord lived and served as, as an example for on this earth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 19, For this is thankworthy. If a man for, uh, for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when you're buffeted, you're corrected for your faults, you should take it patiently. Look, if our kids do something wrong and they get corrected, what what What's noble or, or, or great about that? That's the way it goes. When you do wrong, you get corrected. But if when you do well, when you're doing, striving for the right, and you suffer for it, and you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here unto where you called, it's the same calling to follow Christ because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He was doing what was right. He was striving for the right. Verse 23, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again when he suffered. He threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And that's our call in this world today. That when somebody does something wrong to us, we say, I'm going to commit myself to God who, judge, who judges rightly. I'm not going to take out vengeance. I'm not going to avenge the wrong. I'm not going to, to, to try to get revenge. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to commit myself to the, the righteous judge because he will judge rightly. Goes on to say who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. For you are sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and bishop of your soul. See, please listen to this. The vileness, the vileness and the violence of every single one of our sins, all of us in this room, the violence and the vileness were 100% involved in thrusting him to the cross that he would die on. I want to say that again. The vileness of your sin and the vileness of and the violence of your sin. The vileness and the violence of my sin were 100% responsible for thrusting Christ to the cross that he would die on. So when we consider evil done, and we consider how, how, how does somebody respond to the evil? Look, we were the ones that threw him on the cross. Our sins were. It was, it was for our sins that he suffered and died. It was ours. It wasn't just 
the, the, those really bad people that, that run into to synagogues and, and shoot them up. It wasn't just for the really bad people that, that, that treat and mistreat and defile uh, young women and, and, and young boys. It, it's not just only their vileness, but it's our vileness as well that thrust them to that cross to pay for our sins as well. And guess what? It was there that he gave mercy as our sins were judged on him. It was there. It was there when, when, when our sins threw him up against the cross. It was there when our sins nailed his hands and nailed his feet. It was there when our sins put him to death that he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It was there that mercy was poured out when evil was done to him. And so the scripture tells us, follow in his footsteps. That's the example you have. Yeah, but yeah, it's it just, no, no, no. Listen, Stott said this, the gospel is good news of mercy to the undeserving. The symbol of the religion of Jesus is the cross, not the scales. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 You've heard it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you resist not evil. Don't give in to evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. That doesn't mean that we let ourselves, we just say, you know what, okay, you just, just do whatever you, I'm not saying there's not anything that. It's the heart behind this. If somebody's going to do you evil, it's not our job to repay them evil. It's the point of this. And if any man will sue thee at law then, and take away your coat, then let him have your cloak also. And whosoever compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give him that ask of thee. And from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. You've heard that it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But Jesus talking, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? So that you'll be the children of your Father which is in heaven because he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? What separates you from anybody else in the world if you love those only who love you? The publicans do the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you do? Uh, what do you more than others? Do not even the public, and so be therefore perfect, as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Luke chapter 6. I'm almost done. For if you have love of them which love you, what thank have you? Sinners also love those that love them. Verse 35 in that same chapter says, Love your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, because he's kind unto the unthankful into the evil be therefore merciful god's mercy is the motivation for us showing mercy to others warren said remember you've never you'll never be asked to forgive someone more than god has forgiven you first peter chapter three it says that we're supposed to to love we're supposed to be pitiful verse nine says not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing but contrary wise blessing knowing that you are there and to call that you shall inherit a blessing. It goes on in verse 14, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. Verse 17, it's better if, if the will of God be so. Here you go. It's better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Because Christ hath also, also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. 
The question I have this morning is this, is wrap this up, is, is it then a despising of the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God when we won't extend that to others the same? Do we despise the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God when we won't extend it to others as he extended it to us? Is it not that powerful? See, that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness is impactful. But when we don't, what we say is it's not impactful enough in my life for me to turn my heart and hand and do the things the, the way the Lord did. Charles Spurgeon said, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than to diminish the great mercy of God. I'm not going to read this, but you can read it when you get a chance. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells the story of a steward who was forgiven, given mercy. The Lord let him go. As soon as he was let go, he found somebody that owed him less than what he had been forgiven. Throws him up against the wall. The guy couldn't repay him. Has him thrown in prison. Other people look on, see it. They tell the Lord that. The Lord had him brought back. And the, and the Bible says that he was wroth. He was angry. And his, 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 his statement to him was this. Did, did, did the mercy that I extended to you, did it not impact you enough that you would go out basically and, and hold somebody else to a higher standard? So again... We're called to not render evil for evil. For us to yield to letting justice be executed by the hand of God. For us to yield to this idea that we are not, and, and to obey this command of not rendering evil for evil. I believe there's a few questions, and I have them there in your notes, and we're done. Here's the questions. If we're going to yield to letting justice be executed by the hand of God, these questions have got to be settled. First of all, is God good? Is God good? Is everything he is about good and right? Is he good? Is, is he good? Is he a good father? Is God good? If that answer is yes, then move to the next one. Second one, is God right? Is he true? In other words, is everything that he say true without a lie? Can God lie? You say no. Is everything God says true and right? You say yes. So much so that I believe him for my eternal salvation. Not just my temporal life, but for all of eternity, I've trusted God's truth to give me eternal life. What he said gives me eternal life. I've trusted that. So God is not only good, but he's true and he's right. The third thing is this, is God just. Not only is he good and is he right, but does he do things right? Does he handle matters rightly, justly? Is he perfect justly? Yes, he is. And I think the fourth question is the summary of all of them. Is God, God? Is he God? Is he, is he on the throne? Is he, and he, is he on the throne of your life? If God is good and he's just and he's right and he is God, if those answers are yes, then our response is his children. We have to make sure and let him be the judge. And we must obey this mandate of not repaying evil for evil. I don't know what you're going through, Maybe it's just you were, you were upset by what happened in Pittsburgh. You say, why do all these, these meaningless things happen? Why do these pointless things happen? I shared a video with someone this week, and John Piper was talking, and, and, and he was talking about the afflictions that we go through sometimes, and we look at them from a human lens, and we say, that's a meaningless evil. 
And as the children of God, if we lose sight of the fact that even through our affliction, persecution, evil that we go through, that God is working for us a peculiar glory, an eternal weight of glory, through our light and momentary affliction, if we lose sight of that, then it's easy to lose heart. But if we remember that, it's easy to keep, it's, it's not easy, it's easier to keep heart and to keep pressing on. I don't know if you're battling any type of revenge. I don't know if someone's done you wrong, done you evil. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know if it's somebody in your family, somebody personally again, or if it's something just in culture, and you're battling that. I feel like this needs to be righted. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't repay evil for evil. Follow in the footsteps of our Lord. Trust that his justice will be carried out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for this reminder this morning, this great charge and challenge, God. Lord, I know I haven't always um, obeyed this command perfectly, but I desire to. Lord, I've been tested many times in this. I know that the people in this room have been tested in this, in this uh, charge as well, and, and maybe there's some that are, are dealing with things right now. Maybe it's with their, their family members. Uh, maybe it's with their job. Maybe it's a co-worker. Uh, maybe it's even inside their own house that they're struggling, not repaying wrongs done to them uh, even in their own house and so lord i pray that you would just help us to take this lesson this morning uh, and apply it in our lives not just hear it as something that 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 sounds like a a good spiritual thing lord but to make it personal and apply in our lives lord we 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 have to know that we're going to be tested in this even moving forward Uh, as this is preached we know that people are going to be challenged in this and so help us god to respond rightly just move down this invitation and we'll praise you for what you do in jesus name Amen.